Now I try not to be self-conscious yeah. about um, my appearance as a, as a trans person. Um, yeah. I say I try not to. I am all of the time, right? I mean, you know, as 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 we as a community, yeah, as I get we it. we yeah. tend to be for various reasons, mostly the cis. But I try and carry myself with an air of confidence befitting someone who does, on the whole, like the way they look. Yeah. But then things like this weekend happen. Now, I will say, it was a funny enough story that my talking about the event kind of went quasi-viral on Twitter. People did seem to find the story uh, charming, but it did lead me to think a few things in the aftermath. So anyway, I am in Blackpool this weekend, or this past weekend I was in Blackpool. Uh, during Pride, Pride weekend, I was there for Pride of the Ring, uh, the the uh, show that I'd been promoting in the run-up, uh, where I would be defending my women's championship, which I successfully did. That was a weird show. Because most of the audience was straight. A lot of queers didn't turn up. A stag do was there. And I think they came just to see like novelty gays being novelty. So they didn't take to me. Because even though I am like my character, Commander Sterling, is very novel in their appearance. You're, you're, you're not stag do flavor no. novelty gay. No, like Priscilla you're was there. You're not the flavor of gay they were after. Exactly. Priscilla was there, drag queen, coming out, doing YMCA, that whole number. She she was over a treat. You know, couldn't get enough of Priscilla. But I'm there. Even though the character, the gimmick is novel, the transness is not. That's like the most serious part of Commander Sterling. So they didn't get it. They didn't get it. And it was bad enough that I was wrestling Harley Hudson and she ran away. And wrestlers don't realise that when I get out the ring and chase them, when I shout, don't make me run, that's only half to make the audience laugh. The other <laughs> half is fucking serious. Don't make me run. But she did. And she's running throughout the audience. It's bad enough that at a Pride show, there's someone there. They were young, but they were old enough to know better, asking me if I'm a boy or a girl. I don't expect to hear that at a fucking Pride event. Like, I do not expect that shit. So that was bad enough. Now, my chronic pain was flaring up. I, I was having a rough day. Uh, went through the match. It was fine. Um, weird atmosphere. Went to Funny Girls, which is the drag club around the corner, which I wasn't up for because like there was no fucking seating in there and I was exhausted and I was having a bit of an mm. autistic meltdown and, and all sorts of stuff. So I step out. I'm out there with um, two folks who come to the shows regularly. They're fans of, of the Jimquisition and of Commander Sterling and everything. Uh, they're hanging out. I'm there with um, Mark, uh, my uh, good friend and ring announcer, uh, was out there as well. Um we're chatting, and this bloke takes umbrage. This bloke clocks me, not happy with it, doesn't like what he sees, comes over, points at the skirt, angry, is like, what's this? And all I could think of to do was to look back at him and just look down at the skirt and go, it's faux leather. 
He was very confused for the rest of the conversation in which I laboriously detailed the materials of my outfit. This is 100% cotton. The boots are vegan leather. And he's trying to stop me. He's like, no, no, that's not what I mean. No, no. (laughs) Like, he thought that I didn't know that he was trying to do a hate speech. I... Can I can I just say uh, I I I've pulled similar moves in the past and it takes it takes a confidence of delivery to pull it off and anytime I hear someone has done it this well that they don't realize you're doing it <laughs> mm, chef's kiss oh, well yeah. done you've nailed it like some of the assorted queers like had started to take a better notice and were mostly just trying not to be part of it the crowd I was with fucking loving it the guy at one point, like, he manages to get some other words in. He's like, "Look, I know it's, pr- I know it's pride, but," and just looks at me and says, "It's different, isn't it?" And I went, "No, it's not. F- it's not different. I wear this every day." And he, he, he and he, he could not fucking believe that. And he went, "No, you're wrong." And I said. What do you mean I'm wrong? I can't be wrong about what I wear. How do you know more about it than me? At this point, he realised that picking a fight with the six foot four trans who wasn't backing down was not going to work out well for him. So he started to back down and apologise. He was like, look, look, I, I, I said the wrong thing. I'm sorry. He was backing off. He was, he was like retreating. When he realised that I wasn't going to be like, oh, I'm sorry for, I'm sorry for wearing a skirt. I'll try and do better next time. Like, because I was only getting more animated, more hat up. And as I realised more eyes were on me, more performative. So, I mean, it was a bold move, though. Be in Blackpool during Pride and single out the tallest trans girl outside the fucking drag club and try and start shit with her. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a moment where, like, I'm, I'm... I wonder how long it would have taken for you to be like, hey, I just won a professional wrestling match next door. You want to try your luck? Oh, that wasn't what I was going to (laughs) do. It was sort of wrestling related, if you're aware of um, uh, my wrestling career and a particular uh, rival of mine called Nathan Black. Uh, Uh, But yeah, I was... Because I was wearing a dress that was particularly like revealing in the the cleavage department, and I was like, if he carries on, the next thing I'm gonna do is like point at my tits and go, look at the size of them! How the fuck <laughs> is this fake? Like that's that was my next play before he backed down was a, a big old look at the size, uh, but didn't get that far. Um, but like I said uh, at the beginning of this anecdote. I try not I try my best not to be too self-conscious, but he knew it was pride. He was in Blackpool. He was outside a drag club. And I was the bridge too far. And that has been that has lived in my head rent-free. What was it about me that was too much? Like I realize I I realize I'm very obviously trans. You cover me in cheese, you could call me a Derrida Clockable. I know that. But I don't think I'm that I don't think I'm so extremely like weird looking that someone could be in Blackpool on Pride Weekend, spot me and think, Oh, I'm not having that. Trust me, as someone who has been in Brighton on Pride and like People will pick the weirdest reasons to be like, oh, I'm fine with pride, but mm, your your flavour of pride, don't let that one. Don't know, don't know why. 
People, people are fucking weird. I think Fee was there because Fee had gone to the car at one point. I think they were there by that point. Because yeah, yeah, because they suggested that it was the pockets that you took umbrage with. He couldn't. Now I, I feel like they're just trying to make me feel a bit better <laughs> about my looks, but because I don't think this 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 fella in his beady hat was like, is there fucking is there fucking pockets on that skirt? I'm not fucking having this. Oi, what's up? I don't think that's what happened, but also, if I hadn't known before meeting you in person for the first time, if I hadn't heard stories of the fact you somehow found a, a shop that had deep pockets on skirts, mm. I'd have been fucking baffled at seeing them in person. I'd have been, <laughs> I'd have been similarly animated in my "What the hell is going on here?" I could fit a full <laughs> wallet and phone in one pocket on that skirt as well. Fucking amazing. It's fucking. Fucking ridiculous. I expect to be stopped in in the street and aggressively interrogated on the depth of my skirt pockets. Absolutely, but I can't work it out. Why aren't I allowed? What did I do that was so different? Look, I I someone, don't know. Someone was having someone was having the wrong day, and you know yeah. you can never know what's going on in a person's head. There's just there's been an uptick of the shit since I ditched wigs as well, so it's kind of coincided with the. Uh, self-consciousness about that about my natural hair like being out and everything like i say i think i'm fairly obviously trans but i i have historically been sort of confused for a cis woman um more often than not i think your personal sense of that i think is skewed by the fact you know as as is the case for anyone who's living living through the, the this bit of stuff going on you take you take the moments like that that happen personally as big knocks. It it's how it is, but like you, you look fucking great. I think you underestimate how how well how 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 much your appearance has changed like drastically. You you're looking great. Well, I wasn't fishing for compliments, but you know <laughs> I always keep the hook in the water. So thank you. <laughs> I think you might be looking at this from slightly the wrong perspective too. Mm. Like it's not so much what's different or wrong about you, it's what's different or wrong about them that this is the line. Yeah. Right? Like what is yeah. it about them that you specifically set them off? Cuz it is their problem. It's not yeah. you. You look like, great. Do you think he wanted to bang me? Is that it? Yes. Is probably yes, I mean, absolutely. I mean, look, like, look. Half half the time, it's I'm going to make you feel shit about your your, your appearance. Do, do you want to fuck? No one else is going to fuck you. <laughs> I mean, the breasts were boobling a lot that day. Honestly, the the most times I've had that like instance happen, it's been the guy that has then like turned around and tried to be like, do you want to fuck in the, in the toilets? And I'm like, no, fuck, fuck off. I blame Neil Strauss and the pickup artist movement for all of this. This is just yeah. straight negging. Yeah. yeah, possibly, possibly. I mean, Fee also points out that, like, I don't, I've never done voice training or anything. And so, especially if I'm with a crowd being sociable and I'm there bellowing, I don't exactly have the most mask voice, but it, it, it isn't, you wouldn't expect it to come out of a cis woman. So that might have also been it. Like I'm there, like like in my dress and and skirt and what have you, and then I'm like, anyway, chunk us up the ass. <laughs> that might have had something to do with it. Hey, you should be allowed to chunk us up the ass as much as you no, like. No, I think absolutely. <laughs> I think it's a 
It's in the Constitution is a chunk of suck the arse. Indeed. But that is to say, uh, good weekend all round. I mean, you got to keep your belt. It was a good weekend. Absolutely. (laughs) Defended the title, picked up a massive amount of bruises because I took a bump on the outside. Sunday was in Manchester, did Sovereign Pro. Easiest crowd I've ever had to work in front of. They fucking loved my opponent, Tony Wright. Lovely man. But didn't boo me. Normally, I take the heel roll sort of... Like, you've seen me wrestle Priscilla. Yeah. Like, I, I tend to just sort of take that role. Pure face-face. They loved us both, and they let us know it. That was so... That was the easiest match I've ever had to work. It was it was d- delightful. Hey. Um, and did lead to my first singles loss in uh, over a year. But I'm Ooh. not mad about it, because... Uh, Tony Wright is the nicest man I've ever wrestled as well. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't have happened to uh, a nicer nicer fella. So anyway, that was my weekend. Um, it, it was a funny story, though, the, the, yeah. the faux leather thing. And yeah, like, I think the reason people really liked it when I tweeted about it was because, like you said, it's, it's always nice to masterfully confuse them. Um, right. And, and yeah, like, it's, it's a really good way of shutting down... Um, phobes is to just baffle them um Indeed. yeah uh, so so yeah uh, that that was that also yeah. there was shit there was shit oh mate the drain there was a drain next to the drag club must have exploded or something the water coming out of it was gray and it turned the entire sidewalk gray an entire <laughs> corner of a crosswalk um one of the traffic lights, uh, one of the corner traffic lights was unusable because it was just a grey lake. And then Fee noticed there's like, oh, there's bits of toilet paper in here. Oh, wait, no, that's just an actual human shit. Um, and they they grabbed an old lady. <laughs> an old lady walked past us and Fee just like grabbed them and went, no, <laughs> to stop her walking in shit. Um, the lady was very confused. And Fee, Fee was like, I've got a couple seconds to explain this before before she decks me. Um, they were grateful in the end, uh, the, the lady and, and the man. Um, but yeah, Fee heroically saved an old lady's feet from shit. So nice. that was, it was an eventful weekend is what I'm saying. It sounds like it. And Plus I got a stick of 15... rock with big tits written on it. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. Right. I'm going to do the thing I'm contractually obligated to do. It's pole position. We're here. We're, we're going to get it in at the 15 minute mark. Get it in there. That's um, what that bloke was trying to do, I think. And it, his oh. necking backfired. <laughs> I want to talk about a video game I played this week. Do ya? I am eager to talk about this video game. I'm excited to talk about this video game. Okay. I've brought, I've brought an audio related prop to talk about this video oh. game this week, um, which I'm going to click a button and then have to wait real world time for something to happen. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but let's find out. I'm going to have to vamp until it starts happening. The game I've been playing is a game called Choo Choo Survivor. What? It's called Choo Choo Survivor. This could go any which way. It is a a vampire survivor, but trains. So it's Laura's favourite game, The Game. Okay, so... I'm going to spend some time enthusing about why I love this before I get to the problems that currently exist. The, ga- the game is not out fully for like two weeks. There is a demo that's up on Steam at the moment. 
Um, the prop I have with me, I will explain very briefly because I'm excitedly waiting for it to for it to pop off. Actually, having a look, it's gonna be like three minutes before it pops off. It's gonna happen randomly while I'm talking about this game at some point. Oh um, wow! Sorry, I'm just looking that up. This is a fascinating thing. Yeah. So for anyone who's not looked at it, Choo uh, Choo Survivor is a vampire survivors game where you are on a linear track. Mm-hmm. Like that is the big difference. Obviously, is that. You are on a straight line, which means that you can't do the usual survivors thing of like trying to back away from enemies, letting your auto attacks happen uh, as you go. Each train that you have access to has one weapon that is its default starting weapon that seems to be specific to that unique train. Unlike other survivors games, uh, you know how most survivors games will have like the attack pattern for this weapon, yeah, and each weapon has a specific attack pattern. The way that this works is that. Each weapon can be set to one of four different attack patterns. It can be set to automatically attack the nearest enemy in a random direction uh, in a sort of circular sort of radius of shots, but it takes longer to charge up, or wherever your mouse currently happens to be pointing, so you have control over it. And you can set each of your weapons you have in your loadout to to different setups on that. It is not, at least with the demo, it is not as content rich as say like don't don't go into this expecting vampire survivors bone razor minions levels of content um oh here we go the next train to depart from platform 18 will be the 1424 southern service to eastbourne calling at clapham junction east croydon gatwick airport haywards heath wibblesfield cooksbridge lewis polgate hamden park and Eastbourne. This train is formed of eight coaches. Platform 18 for the 1424 Southern service to Eastbourne. Yeah! That's a real-time train update happening in my office. Uh, I've turned the sound back off now. I have a little train board that sits in my office that I can set it. Of course you do. To tell it... This is a thing I treated myself to because the accessibility summer showcase went really well and I was like, yay, I did a thing, I'm going to treat myself. It's just a little train board and you can tell it like a real world train station and it'll have like the little notice board of what trains are coming in and oh, that one's been delayed, this one's going where? And I can set it to have the real train announcer oh voice going. So I just occasionally get a little like, oh, look, that was that was a that was a train arriving in real time at London Victoria as we recorded the podcast. I've had this going while I've been playing the train vampire survivors game. It's been fucking great. You are so fucking adorable. I look. That I, is, I had that is so adorable. <laughs> I love it. Uh so yeah, for a vampire survivors, like the the thing about Choo Choo survivors that like mm-hmm. I, I'll I'll preface up front the. Balance of pacing in unlocking stuff in this game seems a little not there. Um, I played maybe two, maybe three runs of this, and got enough like of the permanent between runs currency to buy basically every upgrade available in the demo. And it really feels like the 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 feeling I have because a lot of the stuff from the full game is there is like visible on the unlocks list just you can't access it because demo so you can get a sense of like how much content it looks like there's going to be at launch it looks like maybe five trains three maps and I imagine within three or four hours of play of the full game I'm guessing I'm probably going to have everything unlocked um that's not to say that like I'm not going to pick it up I of course I am it's a train based vampire survivors it's fucking great. But it's going to be... I, I get the feeling it's probably going to be in the camp of stuff like um, 
the Renfield uh, Nicolas Cage vampire movie, Vampire Survivors tie-in that I talked about a couple of months ago, in that despite not having a huge amount of content, it seems, at least at launch, it's doing something unique mechanically that definitely is going to fit into that rotation of, I feel like playing a Survivors that isn't just Vampire Survivors again. What do I have to duck into a couple of runs of? And as I said, there is stuff in this I really like. I like... um that the the weapons like you can change the attack patterns on weapons on a per weapon basis like they don't necessarily have to be a static pattern uh i like the fact that you don't automatically pick up uh experience you have to sort of mouse over it uh as your train's doing its journey to, to sort of pick it up uh you're managing not just health but also a, a fuel meter and instead of leveling up your weapons you can like Let's say you haven't found fuel in like in the level and moused over it to sort of bring it over to your, to your train. You can spend currency you would for level ups on health or uh, fuel for the train, but those are kind of expensive to do. It's got a lot of its own ideas, and like if this game's developer takes it seriously and keeps adding stuff to it post-launch, I could see myself really enjoying it. Yeah. Right now, the problem is I feel like the amount of content... And this is maybe like an unfair expectation to have, but there's been a lot of Vampire Survivors games that for a low price have had a ridiculous amount of content in them. And this is not in that pile right now. Mm -hmm. I like that it's doing something unique, and I'm not going to lie, the fact that it's about trains is mm. 100% enough that I will just keep playing this. How invested do you feel in it with it being on a linear track? Like, because what are you doing? Yeah, I, I should have gotten to this. So... Instead of, you know how in most Survivors games you're trying to uh, survive for X amount of time? Mm -hmm. In this, you are trying to get to the the end of a linear track. Like, you have a destination you are trying to get to alive. And part of the balancing act there is not getting overwhelmed and sticking around too long to try and pick up resources and stuff to build up your train, versus, like, building a build that will allow you to plow through stuff. Like... Uh, enemies will, like, physically get on the track and stop you moving. And having a build that can... Uh, targeted, clear space off the track so you can get moving when you want to. Honestly, I like, th my big question is how... There's only one, uh, one level available in the demo. I'm curious what they will do with the other levels. Like, one of my big questions is, will we see things like branching tracks, perhaps? where you mouse over a lever to pick which, you know, which split in a branching train track you go down. Think, I can see things like that of how you could vary this format. If all of them are a straight line with just slightly different aesthetics going on, that's going to definitely limit how much replayability this feels like it has. Right now, I have a lot of questions. Yeah. I like the core format. I like the the experience that's there. All I know from having looked at footage of, like, the full, like, you know, teasing the full release, is, like, there are some elaborate weapons, like, cool, my train could have an orb orbital laser cannon, that's interesting. You haven't shown me, like, fundamentally, like, other levels with enemies that behave fundamentally differently, or where I am doing something fundamentally different on the train track. Right. And those are, like, big questions that are, you know, hovering, and the game's out in, like, I think a week and a half, two weeks... I will report back once I've played more of it. Core idea is good. I'm worried there's not 
going to be much to it. Yeah. But that's probably not going to stop me turning on my little train announcements board and hearing about trains while I make a train shoot zombies with, with a machine gun. Interesting. I'm going to... Yeah. I might have to check that out. The The concept is interesting, but it does run the risk of being one of them... Uh, one of them games where they had the idea... But, and it should have stayed mm. an idea because it's like, this is a cute idea. It's... And then they've got nothing to really do I, beyond yeah. it. I 100% recognize that how I'm feeling about it is very much colored by, yeah, but there's a train there though. And I know that, like, I, I can objectively go, it's concerning me that there might not be more to it that would let me recommend it more readily to other people. But conceptually, I love the idea, right? Right. I, I, I like the idea of a survivor's game where you cannot just backtrack away to give yourself space from enemies. Yeah. And you have to build your build differently as a result and have to play more aggressively to plow th- like directly forward through crowds rather than back away and keep the shots going while they can't catch up with you. Mm. And I hope that I hope that they find ideas to do with that. Um, what about you both? You played anything this week? I'm just going to say up front, I only played one game this week that's worth discussing at all. I'm not quite ready to talk about it yet, so there's that. That's fair. Yeah. And I, I also watched basically nothing related to Summer Games Fest. You really didn't miss much, you know, other than the Accessibility Summer Showcase, which Eurogamer which, well, describes as a vital addition to the Summer Games Fest lineup. Well mm. fucking done, <laughs> yes. by the way. Like, I was so pleased <sighs> when I saw, like, the coverage on Eurogamer and places like that, where I'm like, this is fucking legit. You did I'm, so I'm, well. I'm, I'm re- I, like, not, not to toot my own horn, I'm really, I'm really proud of how well it was received, particularly, mm-hmm. like, I've had some really lovely emails from people who were like, hey... I have this disability and I found like three games that I can actually play that look really cool thanks to your showcase. I've had emails from people going, thank you for just making a version I can engage with of the showcase so I could, you know, feel included in in the excitement. It it did the thing I wanted it to do and I'm glad that like overwhelmingly the response has been really positive. So I did a thing. Yay. Yep, you sure did. Um, I sure mm-hmm. did. Uh, you didn't miss much by skipping Summer Games Fest. That's though. the vibe <laughs> I'm getting from people. Like, there are things that I have heard about that I have vague interest in. Um, but on the whole, yeah, yeah. I, mean, um, I, I picked I picked up a pile of, like, interesting demos to check out. Like, I, I played a bunch of little demos for interesting things as a result of it. But, and that's what I'm looking forward to hearing yeah. about from both of you today, because I just, I'm, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, even the, like, the Devolver Showcase was fine. I watched that. I did watch that a day late, because that's how, like, not paying attention to any of this shit that I've been. I'll say this. If you want the Devolver Showcase to seem infinitely more impressive than it does in isolation... Uh, if you were to force yourself to watch the two-hour-long uh, PC gaming show this year, which tried to do the same gimmick, but very poorly stretched it over two hours, while also in the middle genuinely having a game that is telling its narrative through AI generation, oh. in the middle of a two-hour showcase making jokes about how bad AI is at telling stories and writing text, 
it makes you appreciate the Devolver one infinitely more. Well, uh, yeah, I guess blatant. You might have just sold me on watching the PC one, though. That sounds oh, like the, an amazing disaster. The PC one is fucking painful, and genuinely, I think you'd have a good time just skipping to the painful skin. Right, but it's it's like it's a very different form of comedy, right? It's that's that awkward cringe comedy that the, all the kids love. The PC gaming showcase, they might have been the ones to really nail it. Like the Devolver one, that's sort of steeped in that Gen X, you know, ironic cynicism, you know detached mm. sort of thing pc gaming showcase uh, you've yeah i'm i'm in I, i'm gonna well, watch that. okay can i okay <laughs> i, I want to i want to give you like the proper context of like i i think that the best way for you to both experience the pc gaming show is for me to tell you how it ends because i think knowing how it ends is going to make it all the more beautifully painful to watch so the gimmick is frankie who is one of the two hosts usually um, Day9 decides he doesn't want her co-hosting because AI is cool now. So she gets kidnapped by some people with German accents in suits and replaced with, um, an, a an AI version of her face. And you spend two hours watching skits about, like, how unfunny this AI is and how bad the AI is at being a co-host. Very, like, the joke is... Oh, we tried to get the AI to write the skit and it wasn't very good. Oh, AI... And the punchline is Frankie comes back and unplugs the AI and they have a conversation about, oh, that AI was shit. Would have been much better if we'd actually had you here co-hosting, Frankie. Guess we just had a two-hour shit show because you weren't here. Like, the whole end point is wouldn't the show have been better if we didn't do the whole conceit of this skit? Hasn't, th hasn't this been bad to watch for two hours Oh, well. Did Tim Heidecker write this? This is amazing. <laughs> right? And this is why I think you need to know that ending going in. Because every time they're making, like, a joke about how shit AI is, they want you at the end to believe that it's deliberately shit. That that was deliberate so that the punchline could be, oh, that was shit, but we knew it. She's back now. Oh, it's... I'm not going to watch the whole two hours, but I'm pretty sure like there'll be a highlights thing or something now. Pull up the two-hour video, skim through the trailers, don't worry about the trailers, just any time that they're in the CGI fake studio. That can't be that long, and it's... it's bad. Amazing. It's fascinating. <laughs> so, Steph, what have you played? Oh, yeah. Um, now, I know Laura and I have played a couple of similar things. Yeah. Um, so I'll get the, I guess I'll get the, the, the one that only I did this week, um, out. Then we can talk about like, you know, the ones people that want to hear about like Final Fantasy 16 and all of that. Um, but I, I played uh, Street Fighter 6. Yeah. A revelation. A genuine yeah, you, revelation. You, you're digging it? Genuinely. Um. I'm, I'm so, I'm so glad to mm -hmm. have been right that you, you you might be able to enjoy it oh yeah <laughs> i'm gonna be doing a review of it which i've never reviewed a fighting game in my life um obviously we're not yeah. counting smash brothers because that's it is a fighting game but it occupies a very particular niche yeah like very specifically back when you used to like first we're doing written reviews on the doom position you commissioned me to review yeah. i think it was street fighter 4 because you you were like no nah, i'm not gonna review fighting games I, indeed yes you reviewed uh I, I believe that was the one street fighter 4 
or five. It was it was that. It there was a, one of there was a couple of others as well. Yeah. But yeah, like I wanted some fighting game reviews. Didn't do them because I can't play. Yeah. I can't play them. Um, outside of Smash, the fighting games I have any experience with are Eternal Champions, Primal Rage, and Rise of the Bloody <laughs> Robots. Um, those are the ones I played. I have tried to play others. I can't do it. I've always felt very sort of envious because I like all the characters and I like how excited people get for those games. But I've got a memory disorder. I can't remember the combos. And I do not have great finger dexterity. I can't pull them off even if I could remember them. Like, it's it's just right. a confluence of things. Fighting games, as they've existed, are impenetrable to me. Um, completely inaccessible. But the modern controls on Street Fighter VI... Fucking great, right? Amazing. Important is the word I would use. Genuinely important. Genuinely, I think it is like the biggest step that I've seen any fighting games, like long running fighting game series, take towards being more accessible. It genuinely reduces that barrier to entry so well for both cognitive and motor disabilities. Absolutely. And it's a game that really like carries that that accessibility throughout its entire attitude to the way it handles the player. Um, the world tour mode where you create your own character and take part in something I've basically described as a cross between Splatoon and Yakuza. Like the open world, like the little open city thing, stylistically is like the hub city in Splatoon, but is full of like constant fighting and eccentric quests like Yakuza. So it's basically oh. Splakuza is what I've been calling it. Someone pointed out because I was streaming it last night, which again, mind-blowing. That I can live stream a, a fighting yeah. game. You'd want to play a fighting game yeah. on stream. Live streaming fucking Street Fighter. It's in, it, it, gen, when I say revelation, like I'm not overblowing it or being sarcastic or anything. This yeah. is mind blowing. I was a little overwhelmed when I played for the first time and won a round against the computer. I was like, I just I just beat a street fighter. I just did a winning. The thing is, is like you not having to think about and try to do those executions of those those super moves. It particularly for like a new fighting game like this, where it's like it's got its own mechanics it wants to teach you that haven't been in past street fighters. You have there's there's room mentally to think about those yes. things it's trying to teach you because you're not going. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to be doing my, my, my meters and my triggers, but, like, I'm still trying to get a Hadouken to come out. Yeah. Like, what it does, because people, you know, elitists would always answer any accessibility request with get good. But by taking away the stuff that requires you to have inherent traits uh, to yes. your mind and body, it allows you to concentrate on the stuff that you can actually get good at. The mm. the tactical side of the fighting, exactly. the knowing how the systems work and how best to use them, nailing your timing. When do I use this thing? By stripping mm. away the brain space that's being used uh, to try and remember and subsequently panic about the combos and all of this shit. Like you can actually get good now. Because the stuff that you can't get good at because it's an inherent physical or mental trait that you might not have been fucking born with, that's 
You don't have to worry about that now. That is fucking important. Right. I, my first experience with this game last, I think it was last summer, was at Capcom's offices playing against someone who had been playing a lot of this game already because they'd been like doing showcases of it for press stuff and like having to understand it enough to teach it to people they were going up against. Regular street, like good level Street Fighter player using like the regular combo driven controls. I kept pace with them. I was keeping pace with someone who plays lots of fighting games and is good at doing combos. And I was like, oh yeah, I can just breathe enough to like, oh, they're trying to do that thing. I'll stop them. Yeah. I could think about that and do it. I think it becomes <laughs> a, magic. a far more genuine test of actual skill. Because you'll have people saying, well, of course you kept pace. You were using baby controls. It's like, no. Because first of all, like there are pro-level players who are using modern controls for certain characters just because it suits the character better. Um, And second of all, it's balanced with those sort of limitations in control that you have, Mm. which I don't feel because I wouldn't be able to play the game on classic controls anyway. So any restrictions that might be hitting me with modern, I don't care. I don't fucking care. They don't affect me. What matters to me is I can play the game. It's been fucking wild watching people get salty about losing to modern control players because so many of them are so unwilling to mentally admit that once you take, like, reaction speed and ability to memorise shit out of the equation, their strategizing isn't that much better than than the average player. I mean... There are people posting online going, like, oh, well, modern control players are only winning because, like, they have a a, a much tighter window to hit them on on perfect parries. Like, you can't get them on perfect parries because the window's smaller. It's like, no, it's not smaller. You're just trying to find an excuse for why you're... You're not winning as many matches because what they need to do is get good. What they need to do is get good because they're like, nah, nah. Yeah. It's they're getting more invincibility frames if they play with modern control. No, they're not. Like, you're just sorry, you're just fucking salty. You're just salty. Yeah, yeah. Like you're salty. Maybe a bit of a. Um, hang on, I've got a handbook for this. They're being a scrub. I believe that's the word. Scrub. Like. I'm doing a gymquisition on this on Monday uh, just to about how important that is. And um, yeah. I'm going to have to find some of the saltiness because honestly, what, what these people are learning now is, like you said, maybe they're not as hot shit as they thought they were now that it's about strategy. I can point you to some links. I have been I've been collecting some saltiness together because I am also working on a video about Street Fighter 6. I can, oh, I I can send you it. some salt. Yeah, I would very much appreciate that. No Because, um, yeah, like, this is so important to me as someone who just... I don't want to be, like, competitive. I mostly yeah. am playing the, the World Tour mode or just playing against the computer as Marissa over and over again because, of course, I'm playing as Marissa. She's <laughs> awesome. So awesome that I'm actually starting to steal her moves for Commander yeah. Sterling. For, like, my actual wrestling. Because she does that thing where she grabs someone's arm, twists it behind their back while she drives her elbow into their back and bends them over and then clobbers them in the back of the head. I was trying to learn to do that a couple of weeks ago when I only had a GIF to go off. But now that I can actually see it on TV, like, in the full game, like, Phoenix and I have Mm. been studying it, like, how best to do it. Plus, when I was streaming... I got a little side quest in World Tour mode where I had to get her to help her choose between two suitors who want to marry her, and she chose both. 
So she's confirmed Polly. So, like, she just gets cooler. Um, but yeah, Marissa, big, f- like, I'm upset that Vega isn't in it because Vega has always been, like, my favorite character from Street Fighter. Hmm. But Marissa is awesome. Easily, like, my main uh, because she's so good. And, like, the thing is, I recognize on paper that, like, at the top end of the top end of competitive, in most cases, modern controls are not going to be the optimal choice. There's a couple of little things that you might not have access to. You'll have slightly fewer options. Like, I understand that. I don't fucking care. I was never going to get there regardless. What I want to be able to do is play against people who know what they're doing playing Street Fighter and go, cool, I want to have fun. I want to play the story mode and have fun. I want to hop on with random people and be able to hold my own and go, I at least understand what I'm doing. You know, I might still lose, but at least it wasn't because my hands wouldn't do what I wanted them to do. I want to just have fun with it. It's a choice between a control scheme where you won't be able to do anything, everything, or a control scheme where you won't be able to do anything. I I wouldn't Mm. be able to play the game at all with classic controls. So I don't mind that I might not have exact nuance and a full suite of options with modern. It doesn't matter. What matters is, like you say, I can play it and just have fun. And I I won an online match. Hell I, yeah. I lost all the others, but I won one! And that that Fuck is yeah. good enough. And I did right. sort of keep pace with one of the other matches. That's the thing, is it's like starting to get that, like, to go, I might be losing, but I feel like I could learn enough to, to be losing less. I feel like I could get good. Yeah. And and that's, I think, what, what this game is so savvy at, is, is understanding that you don't, encourage people to get good by making your game incomprehensible and telling Mm -hmm. them to figure it out it was pointed out to me when i was live streaming that some of the mini games in world tour were very surreptitiously teaching you classic controls in mini game form there's Mm -hmm. like a mini game where you're like eating pizza or something and it's doing little combos but they're like classic control scheme combos put in little bite-sized chunks in in very brief sequences to just drill it into you so that even Mm -hmm. if you're doing modern controls you're very passively picking up um i don't think i'll ever pick it up to where i could do it because like i say i've got a literal disorder um that will stop me from doing it but it never forces you to no yeah and the game is still giving it an honest it's what it's doing is the difference between an old school wrestling trainer who thinks that putting you in a legitimate shoot hold and hurting you is an adequate form of training versus the trainer I have at PPW, Liam Slater, who has never forced me to do anything, has never demanded me or shamed me has simply encouraged me to believe I could do it, has given me a judgment-free, safe time in the ring to learn at my own pace in a style that is suited to how I learn. And there are many old-school wrestling trainers that would look at what Liam does and and say he's too soft or not making wrestlers the right way uh, and that anyone who, who wants to be a wrestler should get good and suffer 
But some of the best wrestlers in the country are coming out of PPW. Leon Slater being one of them. Uh, the guys we have at Spectrum, Jay Vertigo, The Freak Show, Gentleman Jim. That's the difference to, to draw from like my experience as a, as a wrestler. The fighting games that elitists think all of those games should be is the kind of wrestling trainer who calls their school a dungeon and legitimately puts kids in figure four leg locks to toughen them up and consequently drive away and make sure that people never come back who might have become excellent wrestlers if they were taught with a degree of humanity versus Street Fighter 6 is Liam, Liam Slater teaching me to wrestle. Uh, and, and, and I love it. I love that. Yeah. Also, one thing that like can't be understated that is really nice about modern mode is that, and this is not like 100% the case, but it's close enough that I, I, I think it's worth talking about. Basically, every character fundamentally controls the same. In that Smash Brothers way, you don't have to learn fundamentally different inputs for most characters. Yeah. Meaning that you can jump back and forth trying to find characters that work for you without going, cool, if I want to learn this new character, I've got to learn that whole combo list before I can start playing around with them competently to see how yeah. they play. Like, you can jump into a character and most of the controls will be close enough to the same that you can competently work out what their deal is. And that is so refreshing for being able to actually experiment properly with a roster. Mm-hmm. And I like that, like, yeah, like, on a skeletal level, they control the same. But to keep them unique, the way they use that skeleton can be a bit different. So, yeah, you know, yeah. you have, like, Chun-Li able to, like, perform some extra moves by going into that little stance, or Marissa yeah. doing that block guard thing that can then be... Um, once you do moves from the block guard, you have a whole new chain of, of special attacks that are different from the regular special attacks. Like just these little twists that make sure yeah. that each character does play differently from a tactical standpoint. But not from a mechanical one. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, really well done. It is a game that is constantly encouraging the player to keep playing. And that I, I, I talk sometimes about uh, games that I describe as games that want to be played, which mm. sounds a little redundant because obviously all games ideally would want you to play them. But there are some games that just drip this this attitude of we want you to enjoy us constantly. Right. Specifically, it's games that want you to enjoy them. Yes. Like, fighting games as a genre have long for a long time had a problem of getting more and more niche and insular and very specifically targeted at being more and more laser targeted on the specific audience that is already invested yes and it is nice to play a fighting game that you know be it for recognizing that they're you know laser focusing in on a niche of a niche more and more or you know whatever brought them to there going we want not not just them. We don't just want them to play. We want you to play. Exactly. And to have fun playing. And again, to, to bring it back to, to pro wrestling, you can have the attitude of, of certain old school wrestlers. You can be a Scott Garland and you can say, I'm above this kind of wrestling. I only want 
proper, real, serious wrestling that appeals to established, existing wrestling fans. You ain't. That's not how you're going to grow wrestling's audience, is it? Mm. When I when I debut in a new city, I bring new fans to a wrestling show. People who aren't wrestling fans, and they leave as wrestling fans because it's something different. It's something new. It's something welcoming outside of the insular wrestling crowd that is just going to watch wrestling anyway. If you're already appealing to them, and only them, you're not growing your audience. Street Fighter VI is growing its audience, because it's not just appealing to the people who are going to buy it anyway. And that, again, is so important. It's just a shame that the game is monetized to fuck. Yeah. That it, it, like, just tackily, tackily, tastelessly so. Because as a game, I have just been loving it. I'm loving it. Nice. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle through a couple of a couple of demos I played this week. I'm not gonna spend long on any of them, but that that these are things that are maybe worth checking out if they they fit your niche. Um, so I played a demo for Ollie Frog Toad Skater. Um, okay. This is everything I really wanted Skatebird to be. You play a little round, colourful frog on a skateboard doing skateboarding games. I mean, it's a frog. It's already better. It's a little frog. The best way I can put this is my experience personally with Skatebird was that I I felt like that game mechanically wanted to be punishing me and telling me to get better at skateboarding in a way that just didn't feel like it clicked. I did not want that sort of cute aesthetic with game that was being like, get better, get better, why aren't you better at this? It was a little janky, it just didn't click. Ollie Frog, Toad Skater, it it feels much more in line with like an arcade skateboarding game. It wants you to be getting big numbers and numbers go up, and it wants to be kind of forgiving on things. It, it, it leans a little more in your favour so that you can have fun being the cute little round frog on a, on a skateboard. I am excited to check this out when it actually releases, because it, it's what I wanted to experience with Skatebird, is how it's currently feeling. I also played another train game this week, because of course I did, that's how my week's been going. Uh, I played a demo for a game called Station to Station, which is a game about connecting different buildings together uh, via train tracks to uh, transport goods and products between them. You have a limited budget for making uh, lengths of train track, you're trying to get, say, milk and flour to a place that will make them into bread and then maybe take the bread somewhere else because the bread's going to be made into pizza or something, and trying to create an interconnected network of train tracks that will take everything where it needs to go. The sort of puzzle element to it is that not only are you trying to work out how to lay out your tracks to avoid doubling back on yourself unnecessarily when delivering things back and forth, you're trying to have an, a sort of efficient system, You also have these sort of cards active to you that will allow you to make, for example, the next train track you make is half price. And if you know you've got a particularly big section of track coming up, like working out when's the right time to use those, successfully connecting up the things you need to connect up gets you some money back. Uh, More buildings will, will sort of get added to the map as you go. There's a finite end to the level. You are trying to be economical enough with your train station setting up that you get to the end and have connected all the buildings for this particular map without running out of money in the process. It's a fun little puzzle. I've enjoyed it a lot. It's been it's been nice to play around with. The one I want to talk about 
most and the one that like I'm most excited for the actual game, I think it comes out end of this month, maybe next month, uh, is Venba, uh, which is a game that's like trailers have been floating around for a couple of years for this. It is a game uh, about cooking food as a way to keep cultural connections alive. It's got a beautiful art style, absolutely gorgeous, uh, uh, colourful 2D art. It is a story about a couple who are living in Canada, considering moving back to India because their, you know, money's money's not doing great at the time. They find out they're having a kid and they decide, hey, we're going to try and make it work and stay in Canada. And about the mother of this family trying to keep cultural ties to her family through cooking and... Uh, through doing recipes from a uh, hand-me-down family recipe book that is a little, uh, a little, you know, water damaged, a little torn up, and having to sort of have recipes with a little bit of something missing and experiment around in a kitchen and work out how to make these dishes without complete information as a way of keeping cultural connection alive. The example in the demo was that I was trying to make these sort of like uh, almost like steamed dumpling things and the person hadn't used this particular steaming device before and had to work out like the reason that it asks for a towel in the recipe book is because you've got to put it on this thing otherwise the the, the, uh, mix will drip through the holes and you've got to rotate the layers so that the steam will be able to rise up and cook everything evenly. And it's just a really beautiful story, absolutely gorgeous music. very nicely written, using little mini games about working out how to make food to tell a story about family. Its demo was really short and very powerful, and I cannot wait for this game to come out. It it seems really up my alley. Uh, so yeah, there's a couple of things I played demos for this week. Uh, Steph, what do you want to talk about playing wise? Uh, so we've there are other demos that you yeah. played. I know that because uh, yeah. I played them too. Um, so yeah. we could do those, I suppose. Yeah, where um, do you want to start? Let's start with Lies of P. Why not? Like Lies of of Pinocchio. Lies of Lies of Pinocchio. So there's this game, <laughs> Lies of P. Uh, we actually, I believe, we responded to it in real time on an episode of Podquisition once. We we um, did. We I did, learned yes. about it at the end of a show once and was freaking out at what looked to be Bloodborne with Pinocchio, which is what it is. I mean, that Uh, is what it is. Yeah, shamelessly so. This game is so, so Bloodborne. Like, it's not trying to to be anything else. Bloodborne didn't have, like, robotic British police officers wandering around, but other than that, this is just Bloodborne. Other than that, yeah. So, (laughs) you're Pinocchio, a real boy... Looks like a real boy, but is a puppet. They, they say they call them puppets. They're just robots. They're like yeah. steampunky robots, and they've all gone a bit wrong, and so they're all just like bashing people up. And you fight them, and that's it. It's Bloodborne, but with robot, quaint British Bobby robots. And you know what? It it plays pretty pretty darn well. It's all right. It's all right. I've not I've not disliked it. It's one of the better feeling you know souls knockoffs i've played in a while like it it plays yeah. it plays well for the most part yeah i don't like the dodge it feels so inefficient it just doesn't feel i don't i, I can't i don't feel like i can rely on it to get me out of any trouble at all i feel like the thing that i've not been gelling with with the dodge is i feel like i have less ability to dodge forward through an attack 
which is always how I play Souls games. It feels like it wants you to be using it as a already be at a dis a little bit of a distance and then use it to to give your extra distance backwards. It doesn't feel like it wants to give you iframes yeah. to dodge through. Yeah, I just don't. I haven't gotten along with the dodge, um, which is a shame. I think it wants to force you to use the parrying all the time, which the reason I gave up on Sekiro was I, I'm not a parrier. I'm getting there with the dodge, but I had to re acclimatize myself. I couldn't use the dodge the way that I assumed from genre conventions I'd be using it. Yeah. So I, I, I'll need to give it another go. I've not disliked it. I've found the, the mm. premise is, the premise is stupid. And, it's... and I'm on the line. Fee's already decided they hate it. I'm on the line <laughs> between loving and hating the edgy, oh, we're doing our own edgy re, uh, reimagining of a fairy tale thing, which, I always put it down to being like, what if Vikings, but Ragnarok wasn't like uh, the end of the world, but it was like a corporation and it was called like Ragnarok <laughs> Limited or something. Like, uh, how contemporary is that? Um, the bit that made me want to just fucking like shoot myself while also giving a golf clap was, I was like, why is this, why are they pronouncing Gemini, Gemini? That's weird. <laughs> it's spelled Gemini because somehow I'd managed to forget like one of the most famous aspects of the Pinocchio story. <laughs> so I'm there like, why are they pronouncing Gemini weird? Yeah, and then later far, on in the game, yeah, later on in the game, they start talking about what type of uh, machine the talking lamp is. Oh, it's a cricket model. It's Gemini yeah. cricket. I wanted to die I... and live forever at the same time. <laughs> oh, mechanically, a thing I like about this, and it's, I think, the thing that differentiates it most, maybe, from just talking about Bloodborne, I like that when you die, you don't drop all of your souls. You drop maybe a third of them, which is nice, because what you can do, and I did in at least one situation was, oops, forgot to go cash in my, my souls or whatever the equivalent was here. I've still got two-thirds of them. I can I can buy a level up with what I have left that I forgot to spend the first time I was here and not be risking all of them while I go and try and get those souls back. I can spend a level up's worth and have that safely banked away while I go and get the, the a third I dropped. It... I like that it's it's still punishing, but it's not quite as punishing as it usually is, and I appreciate that little bit of softening. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you reckon the whale's going to be? An airship? Uh, probably. What about the bloke that turns kids into donkeys? That's the one that I keep getting stuck on. Who's the uh... one? Or is he going to be like a Dr. Robotnik type of character, like like putting kids in robots or something? Oh, he's going to hit you with like a, a a blast, and if you get hit by it, like you're not going to be able to attack for a bit. You're going to be on all fours running around, oh, like not mate. able to attack. You're going to be in donkey mode. Such an original, inventive, edgy adaptation. Right. I can't wait. Right. I can't wait. Um... <laughs> I I'm kind of I'm. It's tacky, and I'm kind of loving it. That's the thing. I, I am so angry at it, while also slightly impressed at the sheer fucking audacity of some of this. Um, but as a game, I have been enjoying it. Um, yeah. I do enjoy it. I like the visual style. Well, of course I do. I liked Bloodborne's. But I do like the, the design of the robots and everything, like the weird sort of creepy Victorian fairground kind of 
attraction um, <laughs> aesthetic that everything has. I'm into that. It's it's promising. Yeah. I will definitely be checking it out when the full game's yeah. out. Yeah. Um, Final Fantasy 16 is the other demo. <sighs> now, that demo paints the impression of a game that is shamelessly, disgustingly, and tackily indulging in sex, violence, and liberal use of the F-word. And I'm in favour. I'm going to be honest, very little of that demo I took in properly because I was having one train of thought and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And it's the main reason I checked out the demo was... You remember a while ago we talked about the way that that game was handling um, certain accessibility options being tied to character-equipable rings yeah. uh, that were going to take up equipment slots. I was like, I want to give this a go because this demo was like the first two hours of the game. I want to see in context what what what's going on here. And you know what infuriated me at the start and I couldn't let go? When the game is explaining, like, oh, you can open the settings menu like this, one of the things it does is tells you, hey, the settings, including accessibility settings, are in the menus. Now, there's not a menu setting called accessibility settings, but there is some useful stuff in there, like speaker name tags, uh, being able to have subtitles for stuff that isn't, you know, uh, spoken dialogue, stuff that is accessibility settings, and I'm glad it's there. But the acknowledgement, the fact they were there, and the acknowledgement of, like, the word accessibility settings coming from the game's tutorial infuriated me. Because I was like, ah, so you are aware that accessibility is an important thing that, you know, is important to have. You just don't consider cognitive and motor disabilities as disabilities. They're things to get good and get over. Other kinds of disabilities get to be settings and get to be accessibility. And it annoys me. And the people who were like... Oh, oh no! Oh no! It's nah, these things were never meant to be accessible. They're fucking accessibility settings. I've played around with them now. They're fucking accessibility settings. I'm absolutely grumbly at this goddamn game. Anyway, I did get to fight a big Balrog thing with a phoenix firing, firing flames at it. That yeah. happened. Yeah, <laughs> I shot lots of fireballs. It was very dramatic. I like. I liked the demo. I liked the demo. I'm not sure why they were worried about it being unrealistic to yeah. have anything other than right. white people in it, considering right. there were people riding on giant chickens like there were horses. Yeah, uh, That's yep. a bit strange. I mean, the game starts with like a woman made of ice fighting a man that came out of like the ground, yeah. like a giant that came out of the ground. There was a monster made of sort of grassy tentacles that came out of the swamp, had to fight that. That's not very realistic for yeah. medieval Europe, is it? Yeah, I'm not sure that medieval Europe had um, that many goblin encounters, if I'm quite honest. I don't honest. think it did. A couple. I don't think it did. Sure. But I don't think that the goblins were that organised um, in real life medieval times, for fuck's sake. I'd forgotten all about that nonsense when I was playing the demo. The combat flow was fun, though. Combat's good. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would because I have not gotten on with um, various modern attempt uh, attempts by Square Enix to modernize Final Fantasy, but this time they really just did. They they gave up trying to find some <laughs> weird hybrid between uh, traditional RPGs and this. They were just like, yeah, let's just do an action game, and yeah. it's better for it. I think that it is 
clearer in its direction. It knows what it wants to be, and it isn't muddying itself by trying yes. to be too many things. Yeah, just a lot more responsive, a lot more straightforward. I enjoy that. I think there needs to be better telegraphing of like enemy attacks because, like, I was talking about this on the the, the Trash Palace Discord. Like, they've put so much luxurious animation in. And not done a good job telling you which luxurious animations are attacks and which are openings. The main issue I have, and it's not a massive one, but it does feel a little unfairly punishing, is when I do a perfect dodge. And my instinct is to capitalize on the perfect dodge that's just been telegraphed to me by attacking. I don't expect the enemy to ignore my attack and keep doing its own combo like nothing I did mattered. This is why... I played that demo with the uh the one of the rings that you can have equipped is the one that will give you a visual on-screen circle and a quick little timer when when like you are expected to dodge because some of those things are not clear and it like doesn't give you much time but it's a visual thing that goes oh, sh- oh shit that's another t- thing I got to dodge quick yeah like because that... yeah you you are right the game is not clear enough about what is an attack animation sometimes exactly and I feel like I'm there playing the game properly, like, doing a... Like, what's the point telling me I did a perfect dodge if there's nothing I can do about it? Because if I try an attack, I'm just being lured into another attack. There was another game recently that did that too. I can't remember what it is. But there was another game where, like, perfect dodges and things didn't stop enemy attacks. Oh, it was that, uh, the one where you play the Plague Doctor, the Souls-like, where you're in oh, wearing a plague mask. yes. Oh, I forget the name. But yeah, I yes. can't remember what it was, but it, that was another one where I'm like, I did a perfect attack. My instinct is uh, a perfect dodge. My instinct is to capitalize on it, not keep dodging. And it's a little more difficult in this game to tell the difference, to tell where the openings are, because there's so much animation, so many visual effects happening, and so many numbers <laughs> like happening. Like It's just so much visual information. But outside of that... I have enjoyed combat a lot. I was actually a little disappointed when the demo was over, which, considering I went into it thinking, God, I better get this done. Um, I'm in the middle of Street Fighter, but I better make time for this. Uh, to be disappointed that the demo was over uh, does does speak very promisingly for the full game. I wish I could stop thinking about every single time that Naoki Yoshida has put his foot in his mouth, because it's really <laughs> yeah. distracting. Because the problem is... That game is really hitting the vibes of what I like in a in a JRPG. I'm 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 digging a lot about this game, but I can't stop playing it. Going, mm, I'm really I'm really noticing how how overwhelmingly white everyone is in this yeah. world full of people riding chickens, and I can't not think about that. Yeah, I just it... wish you'd shut your mouth, Mister Sir. Like, stop making me not want to play your game. That's valid. I mean, it. it we've had it many times before where a creator's involvement like the fact that they keep running their mouth will tarnish it it's the david cage effect basically because like the game itself is fun it is it's fun. a fun game <laughs> I, I have been I've, I've enjoyed it and i know some people people have been sort of on the um split i think 50 50 as to whether the fact that this is basically final fantasy does westeros is a good thing or not i like it the fact that it is just being Game of Thrones, yeah. I find adorable. The amount of times this game is yelling fuck, I'm like, bless your cotton socks. You, you know what the best 
uh, the thing that this does so much better than Game of Thrones is in that regard. Mm. I really appreciate at any time you can press the um like the touchpad button on on the PlayStation controller to have hey the current scene you're in these are the people in the scene and this is where you are and like the the the, the groups involved just in this scene not, nothing else. Do you want to check who that is? The active time law. Yeah, act, active time law. Yeah. I really like how that system works where it like it is not just here is a compendium of everything the game's ever told you. It's like no. In this one cutscene, who's that? Who's that? Where are we? Yeah. I really like it's like zeroing in on at this instant, I don't know what something is. I can just look up exactly what that is in a very uncluttered menu. That yeah. is such a nice feature. It's Fucking... nice that it's there. So nice. I like it. I would prefer that the game um, not do what so many Final Fantasies do and make me feel like I've joined in a conversation halfway through. Um, but I do appreciate that it's there. I agree, but at least, it, you know, again, you, you, the comparison to, say, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, I'd have had to go pause and look up a wiki to work out what was going on. At least yeah. here, it's a button, and it, like instantly it knows what I'm looking for. I'll, I'll take it any day. I like that it's there. And I even if we wish it didn't need to be. Yeah, like I like that it's there, and I'd like that it was. I'd like many games to have it as a treat. Mm. The difference for me is like how necessary it might be. That's the difference between whether I am like really pleased about it being there, or if I want to be a bit critical. For the most part, I followed this well enough that having that there as just like extra flavor text is nice. Mm. I like that, but the, the the game didn't give me a great first impression. With how waffly it was at the beginning. But yeah. once it actually found its pacing, I was like, okay, I'm following along. I'm liking this. I'm getting it. It's uh, good. Um, so, yeah, I came away from that demo pretty pleased. I would like to sit down the developers and be like, right, can you explain to me? And, in fact, and I'll give you a full five minutes, developers, right? Explain to me what it adds to a game where when I press X to open a door, sometimes but not all the time, I have to hold R2. Tell me what that did to make the game better in your own time. I just want to... Sometimes there are certain things in games where I want to sit the developers down and be like, explain yourselves. And that one where it's like, some doors are heavy, so you have to hold R2. Okay, does that make the game more fun? Because for me, I get used to pressing X and opening a door. But then I press X and I don't press R2. And the character basically in universe just keeps forgetting how to open doors. I don't know what that adds. It's a heavy door though. It's a heavy one. Again, talking about it on the the Discord, it was uh, suggested that was like, well, it's an exclusive uh, PS5 game. So it's like maybe some con contractual obligation to like force an adaptive trigger command in somewhere. Oh, it makes you feel like you're pushing a heavy door by pulling the trigger and there's a bit of resistance. I'm like, as, fuck off. I just, as I, someone, as someone that likes those adaptive triggers, this is not a good use of them. No, like I hate adaptive triggers anyway, but even if I liked them, like you say, like it's not a good use. It just, why have you made doors slightly complicated? Just press X to open them all. Not every now and then you have to hold R2 as well, and which you're not going to remember to do. 
So you're just going to keep having a character who doesn't know how to open doors. I don't know what it adds. Anyway, solid game. Looks like it will yeah. be good. Very good. Uh, we've got a couple of other... Uh, we got one other thing we both played, but we should, we, should we maybe leave that for next week or do we want to do that now I, quickly before we, we do could, newsy bits? I haven't played a massive amount. So Neither I can, have I. So like... um, Kid Bandit recommended it to me when I was at the Soft Pro show. They were They were saying, like, I've played this game and I think it'd be right up your alley. And it looks like it might be, except for the fact I'm playing it on Switch and the performance is stunningly bad. I I also picked it up on Switch and Switch is not the place to pick it up if you have other choices. I'm kind... It's not... It's not unplayable. It's not making... So we're talking about cassette beasts. Yeah. Um, Neither of us has played very much. I'm really enjoying my first impression of it. But yeah, if you have other options, like if you have a Steam Deck, play it on Steam Deck. The Switch version, like, doesn't perform terribly but occasionally it'll need a second to catch up with itself and it's a little jarring i've had a worse experience than that oh yeah it is atrocious you know it's like the frame rate uh yes it is on game pass as well i believe but it's a it's a game that i want to be sitting playing on a handheld it's a it's a for anyone who doesn't know it's basically pokemon but with cassette tapes and you can fuse the pokemon together and stuff it's a game i want to play on a handheld and, I'm uh, enjoying this, it. If you have other places to play it, mm, Switch is probably not the one to pick it up on, which yeah. is a shame. Like, I went with the Switch for it because that was the natural choice. Right. That's right. what I thought would be, like, the best thing. That's the obvious home for this. But I am stunned because it's not a graphically intensive game. No, but it's the not. stuttering. Every time I go in the water, it... It stutters like you would not believe. Uh, it's affecting the uh, the sound because that stutters with it, which is a shame. Yeah, it's it's doing that thing that emulators sometimes do, where the sound goes weird because the game needed a second to catch up, frame rate wise. Yeah, that should not be happening on a console game. Considering like one of the biggest selling points of this game is the fucking incredible soundtrack. Oh, like, the music is gorgeous. Mm. I'm really, like, I'm disappointed that the performance is so bad because the actual game, like I said, I played, like, an hour, maybe two hours. Promising as hell. I am liking what I'm seeing. I'm I'm just not liking how it's running. I'm going to play more of it and come back with more in-depth thoughts next week, but, like, my biggest thing is it's a very promising game. If you've got other options, don't pick it up on Switch. Yeah. Like... I would say if Switch is your only choice to play it uh, so far, it feels worth playing, but like it should not be your first port of call for it. But yeah, should we, should we talk about some newsy bits quickly before we Why finish not? up? Yeah, let's Why do it. Why not? Um, so we got some updates about uh, about the uh, Activision Blizzard acquisition by Microsoft. Um, now, the headline that was going around, a lot of people read the headline and assumed it meant more than it did. Um the FTC files an injunction to temporarily block Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal. Uh, now, you hear that and go, oh, were they standing standing up like the CMA and going, no, and we don't approve of the deal? Uh, not, not quite. Um, basically, the FTC sued to block the deal back in December, basically at the time saying, like, hey, it's going to suppress game industry competition. The hearing for that case isn't going to happen until the 2nd of August, but Microsoft has an 18th of July merger deadline. So basically, 
the FTC is is trying to go, hey, we don't want to let this merger happen until we've had time to, you know, to do the hearing for us trying to work out whether this is suppressing competition. So the thing here is basically we don't want that merger to go through on July 18th, uh, to go ahead on July 18th, just because we haven't had time to have our our hearing yet. Which seems pretty reasonable, all things considered. And Right, you would think so. And yeah, you know, I'm sure that investors have have reasons that they think it's very important that this deal go through on July 18th and whatever, yeah. but sorry? Like, just wait another month. You're gonna probably get what you yeah. want. I hate to say it. Yeah, yeah, probably, but... I'm glad that the FTC isn't just rolling over and going, well, I, well, we didn't do it in time, uh, bad luck us. I'm, I'm glad that they're pushing to, to do this. Basically, the FTC wants additional time to make its decision, um, which seems like a reasonable thing to want, and they, they, they're of the belief that accelerating the legal process, trying to do this too quickly and rush it through, not beneficial to working out whether this is actually in the interests of the market. So we're waiting to see what happens there. Um, we also know that uh, 24th of July, which is like a week and a half away, is when the CMA in the UK is finally going to start uh, presenting its case. Uh, so we'll know what's going on there soon. We also have one other big bit of news this week, which is about Embracer Group. You know, the, those ones we keep hearing about buying up? Every fucking studio and franchise under the sun mm -hmm. recently. That seems like a sustainable business strategy. Yeah. Um, Embracer Group has had to announce comprehensive restructuring to close studios and cut jobs. Oh. I know, shocking. So basically, over the last five years, they've been they've been buying up a bunch of shit. Uh, reminders, they own uh, Crystal Dynamics, uh, a Gearbox, uh, rights to franchises such as The Lord of the Rings, Publishers such as Playon, Saber, THQ Nordic. But while, you know, collecting all this stuff up, they've not made a lot of money back on that yet. As Eurogamer talks about, their big bet last year for like their, oh, this is going to be the big thing that makes us money was the Saints Row reboot, which did not sell well or review terribly well. Yeah, it was not that good. Yeah, uh, but the bigger problem is that a major unannounced $2 billion deal fell through recently, prompting its shares to plummet by an eye-watering 40%. Uh, nice. So the the situation here from, like, reading a bunch of people who are, like, investors uh, talking about the, the situation is, investors were led to believe that this was a done deal, signed paperwork, everything was done. And that the reason why they were making some of the acquisitions they were currently making is because this two billion coming in was a done deal, and they continued buying up studios and properties, and then that two billion dollars didn't show up, and now they're kind of in trouble because they kind of needed that two billion. So the first phase of their plan, which will last until March of next year, will involve cost savings across the group which will cut employees from across their various studios. We don't know how many staff or from where. So over the next uh, 10 months, people who work at places owned by Embracer are just going to have to sit and go, is it me? Am I going to be cut? I don't know. Sometime before March, I might be. 
Crystal Dynamics has apparently said that they are safe from the cuts. Uh, in a statement released via Twitter, they said there would be no impact on our continuing efforts with our partners at the initiative on Perfect Dark or the next Tomb Raider title. So, like, I'm glad that Crystal Dynamics got told they're not going to see any staff cuts, but that sucks for any studios that didn't get told, no, don't worry, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's a generally kind of shitty situation. They There should be a role that you're not allowed to, like, buy any more companies if you've had layoffs. Like, there yeah. needs to be a period of time after layoffs where they're like, well, you didn't have enough money for the staff you have. Why are you buying more companies? Yeah. Like, there needs to be... There should be something! Reading from Eurogamer, and I think this sums it up, uh, in general, it sounds like Embracer will move from a company focused on acquisitions to one which is trying to make the most of its current studios and franchises. Which... Yeah, that's what a studio really should be, doing stuff with the things you have. Uh, Their quote, Actions will include, but not be limited to, closing or divesting some of the studios and termination or pausing of some ongoing game uh, development projects. It will also include decreased spending on non-development costs, such as overhead and other operating expenses. We will reduce third-party publishing and put greater focus on internal IP and increase external funding of large-budget games. So they're going to make a few big things and cancel small stuff they were doing and just make the things they're already making and not buy more things. We have at least one bit of a plan of how they plan to dig themselves out of this. Um, It it involves the word exploiting, which is a bad, uh, bad start. Uh, here, here is a quote from, uh, uh, who is it at Embracer? Uh, do we know? Um, one sec. Embracer's newly promoted interim executive, Matthew Karsh, uh, gave the quote, We know we need to be exploiting Lord of the Rings in a very significant fashion. It always creeps me out that after all these years, like, corpos have not worked out that, like, there's negative connotations associated with the word exploit. But they still think it's fine. It's not a bad look for them to use it. (sighs) Creepy. Yeah, apparently, like, his big plan is that they need... But they own the rights to the Lord of the Rings, so they need to prioritise pumping out Lord of the Rings projects instead of other things that aren't Lord of the Rings. Well, they've got to get a wriggle on before it goes public domain, didn't they? I was going to say, that feels like a wild bet to be making Mm -hmm. when the thing fresh in everyone's minds is... Oh, Lord of the Rings video games are shit, right? <laughs> like, everyone's mind goes, Lord of the Rings video games, that's a bit shit. Like, that's yeah. a connection right now. Why would you go all in on on hoping that people forget about that? What we need. That's what he's thinking. What we need is Gollum too. <laughs> I, I keep seeing people talk about it on Twitter. I just keep seeing Gollum get mentioned. It's it's in the the it's in the zeitgeist. Like, it's in every related search suggestion. Let's go for it. Let's Gollum too. Have you actually read any of it, Clive? What what's reading? Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Um. I I got one last story for us all this week. Um. You know when when Mass Effect was coming out, the Mass the original Mass Effect <laughs> trilogy, Commander <laughs> Shepard is the protagonist, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I know this story. Uh, famously, there was like no fucking merch for Fem Shepard. If you liked, you know, the female Commander Shepard was your Commander Shepard. There was never any fucking merch that depicted her. There was like one trailer for Mass Effect Two that she was in, but like, it's very hard to find any, you know, any any good Fem Shep. 
merchandise. You would it's say Femshep rep? Right, there's very little Femshep rep. But Bioware steps in and goes, you know what, it's time to finally fix this. Let's make a really nice collectible Femshep figure, you know, let's... Let's really do something about the fact that she's being, like, completely undervalued in the merch realm. Show the level um, of respect and dignity we always meant yeah. to afford her as a character. No, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they announced the dead Femshep statue. <laughs> in which she is um, lying, legs <sighs> sort of floating apart, lying on her back in space, dead. Just a dead floating space corpse with a leg sort of floating open a bit. <laughs> <sighs> it was a bit of a femshep rep misstep, really. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, the statue was priced at one hundred and thirty-five dollars, uh, and only two thousand were going to be made. Depending on the size of that statue, that's really cheap. Uh, I don't know about size. I'm looking for size, but I can't see it said anything. Like $135 for that. It's got to be crap. Yeah. Um, people pointed out, I think rightly, that um, it's a bit of a blow to have one of the few bits of Femshep rep that's out there be dead Femshep. But specifically, like, the design is definitely a bit of a sexualized, fe- like, fetishized dead body design. Like... She's very arched back, tits out. It's not a statue I I wouldn't have seen them do this with with Mel Shep, I don't think. Um, so basically, when I'm in the front <laughs> garden eating chicken, trying to attract like the attention of like local men um, for courting purposes, uh, that's how I sit on my lilo. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, look, if this was Femshep on a lilo, I'd be like, yeah, that's a that's a, oh, that's yeah. a fitting pose. She's on that, a lilo, eating chicken, wearing Parappa the Rapper shorts, then absolutely, yes. I'd be like, she's not dead. She's trying to attract, like, the attention of the local menfolk. We all do it. But there's no chicken, there's no lilo, there's no shorts. My favourite part of this, a press release for the statue reportedly stated it was intended to be a conversation starter. I love it when they do that. It sure did start a conversation. <laughs> when they say conversation starter, what they meant was we wanted to be controversial for attention. No, not like that. Yeah. That's all it yeah. is. It's we wanted to be controversial, but we forgot what happens when we're controversial. See, when when they say things like that, it's like, for me, they wanted the conversation to be, oh, that's a cool statue. Yeah. That looks great yeah. there. They wanted it to be a conversation starter in your home. Right. They wanted people to go, oh, that's an unusual statue oh. you have. What's that? Yeah. Oh, that's your dead lady statue. Yeah, that's a corpse. <laughs> that's a space corpse. Ah, <laughs> oh, we did we it. We're done. We've done a show. We've done a show. Well, Femshep might be dead floating in space, but i tell you what's very much alive. Uh, your calendar, Laura, full of events and tasks and works, the results of which can be viewed far and wide, and I'm sure the audience would love to know about them. Well, I mean, uh, the, the big one right now, hey, if you haven't watched it already, go to youtube.com slash laurakbuzz and check out the Accessibility Summer Showcase. Uh, it's available in American Sign Language, British Sign Language, audio described, go check it out. Uh, I'm gonna be in some places this month, um... 
uh, on the tw Saturday, the 24th of June, I'm going to be at the Common Press in London. Keep an eye out for details about that. Uh, on Sunday, the 25th, if you happen to be in Oslo in Norway, I'm going to be doing a talk at Oslo Pride. Um, other than that, Laura K. Bell's everywhere. Just search Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, all the, all the places. Patreon's the one that pays the bills. Laura K. Buzz, you'll find all the stuff I do. Go check it out. What about you, Conrad? Oh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can hang out with me live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda and official Jimquisition merchandise at mercenarycreative.com. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? James Stephanie Sterling. Hello, that is true. Uh, you can see that Patreon at patreon.com slash jimquisition, uh, which supports this podcast and my videos, of course, uh, all of that good stuff, and the video game reviews. Uh, latest review is Amnesia the Bunker on thejimquisition.com. Um, I'll be having reviews of Cassette Beasts and uh, Street Fighter Six coming out in the near future as well. Um, I also stream as and when, um, like, any semblance of a... Um, schedule's gone out the window at this point so it's as and when right now uh, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling uh, my current wrestling dates are June 29th I am in London, that's my big London debut, uh, I will be with a uh, company called Fist Club um, ticket details are on outsavvy.com um, I've sort of linked to it everywhere um, but if you just google for it um that's june 29th london uh i will be uh, appearing with fist club uh other confirmed dates currently are july 8th in new york that's true grit wrestling july 9th in um the head bar in manchester that's an evening with commander sterling i've been getting the dates wrong this whole fucking time by the way uh these are the right ones and then august 26th uh, the biggest match of my career. If you've seen the poster for it, you might be able to guess what the match actually is. But it is another True Grit event. That's in Leeds, um, August 26th. Um, all the True Grit bookings and info can be found at True Grit Wrestle on Twitter or just Google True Grit Wrestling. Um, if you can make it to any one of my shows and you can get to Leeds on August 26th, that may very well be the show to watch. Um, and that's that. Thank you all so much uh, for everyone who's listened, supported everyone who came out this past weekend to see me perform. Um, thank you uh, for everything. We will see you next week. Uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye.